Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Wednesday, and we're finally going to pull the page on week three, tear it up, whatever you want to do, and we're going to open week four. And I kind of wanted to get started with, you guys know the show by now, Jerry Jones always speaks on Tuesday, so I got to kind of recap what he says on Wednesday, and I had to write an article about this for CBS Sports yesterday, and I, I just... Look, I get it. He wants to be talked about more than his team actually winning games. And right now they're doing both. But basically saying Cooper Rush is all the makings of a top quarterback is really stretching it for Jerry. Um, And look, Cooper Rush has played very, very well. You got to give Cooper Rush credit. But I'm telling you, if I'm Dallas Cowboys this week, I, I would sit Dak Prescott, even if he's ready to go. I don't think he is. We're going to find a little more about that today. But Jerry Jones has really hyped up the Cooper Rush train. All the makings of a top quarterback. And look, that's the quote that's going to stick. But I do agree with Jerry on a lot of what he said. He's managing the offense well. He was the guy we wanted all along to do this. And look, I agree with Jerry there. I I, I do, you know. But you got to remember, if it wasn't for a preseason injury to Will Greer, Cooper Rush may not have gotten this opportunity. No one wanted him. I mean, Dallas flat out cut him. No one wanted him. But it ended up working for the Cowboys, and the Cowboys have a really good defense, a really, really good defensive line, and that's how they get after the quarterback. They are, I think Dallas is tied for the most sacks in the NFL. I think it's them in Philly. So, I mean, they're going to get after Washington this week. Washington has the most sacks allowed in the National Football League. Not surprised to concern after you watch the game against the Eagles on Sunday. They gave up nine. But this Cowboys Commanders game is very intriguing to me. Because is Washington done? No, I don't think so. I I, I learned my lesson. I'm not gonna rule teams done. I, I did that with Dallas and they won two in a row. They're back in the division race and they're not going anywhere. So but I'm not gonna say Washington's done, because they're not. I think Washington's a much better team than what they showed on Sunday. But, but, they can't lose to Dallas this week. If they lose to Dallas, they're the only under 500 team in the division. They'll fall to one and three. The Giants play the Bears. They should beat the Bears. They should, if they can stop the run. Because here's a crazy mind-numbing stat on the Bears. You know they've only given up or they've only thrown the ball 45 times this year. 45 times. I think Jalen Hurts has thrown the ball 45 times in a game. The Eagles have more yards in the first half than the Bears have in a game, in a game, averaging in a game. It's insane. Yeah, the Bears have only thrown the ball 45 times. The Giants should go 3-1 and one this week, if I'm just being honest with myself. So Washington... Needs this win. 
They need to catch up to Dallas, and they need to keep pace with Dallas because Philadelphia won the first game. So Philadelphia's got that one over, over that tiebreaker over them. Philadelphia could essentially knock Washington out of the whole thing altogether by the time they face off in Week 10, which, believe it or not, is six weeks away now. Eagles are going to get Washington off their schedule early. So this is a big game for Washington, and they got to go to Dallas to do it. Carson Wentz has had pretty good numbers against Dallas in his career. 14 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. Gets sacked a lot, though. He does. Holds on the ball too long. It's going to be interesting. It, it, Sunday's game between Dallas and Washington will be very interesting. And, so, of course, it's on at the same time as the Eagles and the Cowboys. So you guys can simultaneously flip. I can't. I'm going to be at the, the Eagles-Jaguars game, which to me is a very intriguing matchup. I did not think this was going to be some big game in week four. I just thought it was going to be the return of Doug Peterson. That'd be it. But clearly isn't the case. Clearly isn't the case. Jacksonville's good, guys. Jacksonville is really good. And I want to get through some numbers here with the Jaguars. I got to pull this up. Let's see. Jacksonville, Jacksonville. So, Eagles, Jaguars to me. Yeah, Jacksonville's second in the NFL in point differential. I have to get the exact number right here. 46. Plus 46. They're ahead of the Eagles. It's Bills plus 53, Jaguars plus 46, Eagles plus 36. You know, the the Eagles, it, it, it's funny to me when you watch this football team. Because we want to talk about the second half stuff. Okay, fine. We'll talk about the second half stuff. We will. The Eagles don't have a point scored in the fourth quarter this year. Zero. You know who is on that list with them? The Seattle Seahawks are one, two. The Tennessee Titans, they're one and two. And the Houston Texans are 0-2-1. But the Eagles, the difference between the Eagles and those teams are they have a plus 51 points margin in the first half and a plus 652 yards margin in the first half. The second half, it's minus 15 and minus 201 in points and yards. Look, I'm not concerned about it because the Eagles are 3-0 and they've built such big leads and their defense has been able to tee off as a result of those big leads, getting to the quarterback, not letting touchdowns go, et cetera, et cetera. But the Eagles have to start scoring more points in the second half. They did it in week one against Detroit, then they put their foot off the gas. They have to score more points in the second half. They have to, they're wearing defenses down, but they're not finishing the job. They should have had a touchdown in week three against Washington with Jalen Hurts through the bomb to A.J. Brown or the bomb attempt to A.J. Brown. They just couldn't connect there. A.J. Brown was open. I think what was frustrating for the Eagles Sunday was they just could not run the ball off Washington. Not as well as they wanted to. 72 rushing yards total for the game. That's very low for the Eagles. Very low. I was disappointed that they weren't able to penetrate through Deron Allen and um, uh, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. You're going to have a test on Sunday with this Jacksonville front. Jacksonville's only allowed 58 rushing yards per game. They're the number one rush defense in the league. So the Eagles have to attack that. And Jacksonville's done a really good job at containing good players like Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson. Uh, Chargers don't have a running game, so, again, they take over that. But that's a matchup I'm looking at. That's the number one matchup I'm looking at here. Uh, look, you know, Jacksonville leads the NFL in turnover margin at plus seven, tied for the lead, lead in takeaways. But they – and, look, they only turn the ball over once. They're like the Eagles. They don't. They just don't turn the football over. And the Eagles are pretty good in the takeaway department, too. I think they have seven. I think it's plus six for the year. My math's right there. Maybe you guys can correct me on that. But overall, I'm looking at this Eagles team. I'm looking at this Jaguars team. They're just not beating themselves right now. Neither are beating themselves. So I think this could be a mistake-free ball game between two really good teams. Yeah, I'll say it. Jacksonville's a good team right now. They are. They're 2-1. and one. Trevor Lawrence is playing like a top-ten quarterback, like he should. Christian Kirk's been a good signing for them. It's a good Jaguars team. It is. 
It's a very good team. They run the ball well. They haven't given up a sack in two games. They're not being themselves. They beat some good football teams here. Indianapolis, they shut out. I'm not saying Indianapolis is good by any stretch of the imagination. But this Indianapolis team did beat the Chiefs. They are 1-1-1. One, one, one. They're supposed to be a playoff team this year. Same with the Chargers. They beat them. It's a good Jaguars team. It is. You can't underestimate them because they're the Jaguars. If you do, you're going to lose. I think this is a team that deserves a lot of respect. And they have a head coach you should respect in Doug Peterson. By the way, I'm fully expecting an ovation for him on Sunday. Uh, you know, bringing Philadelphia its first Super Bowl title. Uh, there's a statue of the guy outside the stadium. Had a good relationship with Philadelphia for the most part, especially the fans. You know, it, Doug's come a long way from the quarterback who Donovan McNabb essentially, <laughs> you know, replaced, became the franchise quarterback. So, you know, in my opinion, Doug Peterson deserves all the credit in the world. Even though he was only 42-37-1 with the Eagles, he did win a Super Bowl here. He rebuilt this franchise, which you're still seeing some of the repercussions of it today. Got him off the Chip Kelly stench. I couldn't stand Chip Kelly, by the way. But Doug's done a really good job. He has. And he's doing a really good job at Jacksonville. He was the right hire for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm glad to see him get a second head coaching job in this league. By the way, a lot of good things to say about Philadelphia. A lot of good things to say about Philadelphia when he was asked about it. Much better than what he ever had to say about Carson Wentz. So, maybe the problem lie with Carson and not the Eagles organization. Eagles decided they, would, they should move on. They thought maybe they'd keep Carson Wentz that way. That didn't happen. Carson just didn't want to be there. I don't know how the Eagles would look right now under Doug Pierce. I think they're very forward-thinking with Nick Sariani. Again, another under-the-radar hire. Eagles are good at this. Doug Pierce and Nick Sariani. Nick Sariani now is, what? 12-8 and eight as Eagles head coach. Took him to playoffs already. It's the best of all the head coaches that came out last year. Uh, Brandon Staley's probably the second best. And Chargers, uh, Staley seems out of his mind sometimes, playing Justin Herbert late in games, getting Jalen Guyton hurt late in that 31-38-10 blowout loss. Excuse me. Yeah, Rashawn Slayer's out for the year. I mean, three games, Chargers look like they're taking a step back, and they really shouldn't. Arthur Smith. Now, the Falcons are overachieving. I got to give Arthur Smith credit for that. I think Arthur Smith's going to be there for a little bit because they are there for a rebuild. And the Falcons do seem to like him. I mean, I thought he overachieved with that team last year. I think he's overachieving with that team this year. He's got to give a guy like that some talent. Um, so, I mean, really, they're the, they're the three big ones that come to mind when it comes to the 2021 head coaching class. On uh, 2022, we got a couple good head coaches in line up in 2022. Um, like even Matt Eberflus is 2-1, which I didn't see coming. The Bears stink, but they're 2-1. And and you got to give them credit for it. They're doing what they can to win games. It's not helping the development of Justin Fields at all, but they're doing what they can to win games. Brian Dable, I think, has done a pretty good job with the Giants, all things considered. I think you saw how bad the Giants are Monday night, how bad their offensive line is. Daniel Jones kind of held his own, which is surprising given it's Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley is back, but the Giants have a lot of issues. Kenny Galladay is terrible. I think they trade him if they could. Who wants him? I, I mean, they're going with guys like David Seals and Richie James as their wide receivers because Kadarius Tony can't get on the field. Another failed first-round pick. It's looking like Kenny Galladay is terrible. The offensive line, again, Evan Neal just looks out of place right now, which is funny because I had him as probably the guy who Jacksonville should have taken number one overall. I love Trayvon Walker in the draft too, but I didn't think he should have been number one. Uh, you know, Doug Pearson is making a fool out of me on that one. Him and Trent Baalke. Jacksonville had a really good draft. <laughs> yeah, a really good draft that first round. Devin Lloyd, Trayvon Walker. Devin Lloyd's a stud. Watch out for him Sunday. I want him on the Eagles. Man, this Jacksonville team, they're going to be tough. They are going to be tough. It's going to be a very interesting Jacksonville 
team to watch Sunday. Not just against the Eagles, but they get to play Dallas too. They play Washington tough. I don't know how they lost to them now that you think about it. Again, week one. No one knows you're bad in week one. No one knows you're good. I mean, good teams that are good, but the bad teams don't know they're bad. Jacksonville has a surprising win over the Colts, and they had a surprising win over the, over the Chargers. So, or two and one, that'll be a team worth monitoring this year. I'm still, I'm just not sold on the Giants right now. I think Monday's game, still trying to get it out of my mind. I think I'm feeling it watching the game Monday night. I'm still kind of tired from the day. But what Micah Parsons in that Dallas defensive line did, Demarcus Lawrence, man, man. Good thing the Eagles have a really good offensive line because that, that's how they're going to beat the Cowboys. Cowboys are going to be in all year because of that defense. They are. They, they just are. They, I mean, that defense is legit good. It's not like Dallas forgot how to play defense with Dan Quinn. I'm still not sold in the offensive line. By the way, did you guys see Jason Peters? Jason Peters played left guard. Played like 15 snaps. I think I think that was the total. Man, Jason Peters. <laughs> Man. It's weird seeing him in the Cowboys uniform. That was really weird. Lying up at left guard. Jerry Jones said he did a good job. I don't know. I'm, I'm just not. And I'm just not sold. Just not sold. But overall, yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm just not sold in the Cowboys offensive line. Sorry, guys. I had to send something there. But um, look, this is how I look at. The Cowboys overall. I still think they're going to be in this because of they are going to get better when Prescott comes back. They do have a good defense. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott looks toast. You know, we talked about this yesterday with Rob Ellis. He just looks toast. Tony Pollard's a better running back. Noah Brown is the guy that I think really changed things around for Dallas. I always liked Noah Brown out of Ohio State. I thought he was a good player. I thought Dallas got a really good value there in the sixth round for him a couple years ago. It's taken him a while to get his feet wet, but now he's getting opportunities. He's catching passes. Uh, I mean, Noah Brown, he's not going to unseat Michael Gallup, but he's going to be a very good number three receiver for them. I, I like Noah Brown a lot. I do. Uh, Dalton Schultz is going to get healthy at some point. I, I don't think Dallas is dead. I was wrong. I was wrong. I, I am done after week one. They look terrible. Maybe I should have just realized, hey, look, they played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were one of the best teams in the NFC, and Dallas clearly is not that. But they will be in the division race. Something to monitor, something to ponder. But week six is going to be fun between the Eagles and Cowboys. By the way, a little bit of helmet news. Helmet news with the Eagles. You know the black helmets? They're going to wear them three times this year. Week 12 against the Packers on Sunday Night Football at home. Week 16 at Dallas, that's going to be interesting. The Christmas Eve game and the regular season finale, Week 18 against the Giants. I believe that's on the 9th. Okay, so we got Zach Gelb in the back. I, uh, I apologize for that. So, yeah, we'll, we got Zach Gelb coming shortly. And I'm about to hit break. Uh, we'll talk Zach Gelb from CBS Sports Radio. All things NFL right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. 
sure our prayers were answered. But now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. How we doing, my man? Jeff, doing great. Honored to join you. How you been? Ah, pretty good. You know what? It's it's Wednesday. I'm it's hump day. I'm getting through the, the morning already. But you did have Brandon Graham on this week on CBS Sports Radio, and uh, you just kind of repeat what he said about this Eagles team in that conversation. Yeah. So um, we were having a good conversation with him, and I always love talking to Brandon, uh, one of the the better guys uh, in the league. And I always love his story, his energy, and how he overcame what initially wasn't a great start in Philadelphia. But um, he was on that Super Bowl 52 team, as you guys know, and made that big play, the strip sack on Tom Brady, to take down the Patriots in what was a just incredible Super Bowl. And I asked him, you've been on a Super Bowl team before. Do you feel like this uh, team for the Eagles this year in 2022 has a Super Bowl feel? And he said yes. So then I just naturally followed it up with, does this team in 2022 have more talent than the 2017 team? And he wasn't disrespectful of the 2017 team. He spoke very fondly of them, but he also thought that they had more uh, talent this year than they did in 2017. So um, that's good news for Eagles fans, and the sky's the limit for this team. And going into the year, and I said this ever since the NFL draft, when they Howie Roseman aggressively got A.J. Brown, which was a great move, I thought for sure they'd win the NFC East. But now, really, the sky's the limit for Philadelphia. It's funny, too, how Graham says that, because I kind of agree with him. I, I think when you look top to bottom, this roster does have more talent. I, I think definitely the starters, because when you think of that 2017 team, you're thinking, wait, that's right, Ronald Darby started the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously, James Bradbury's much better than him. Yeah, so I, I would agree in terms of the starters. The thing that made the 2017 team so great was the depth. Like Nick Foles played his ass off in those two games, the NFC title game, and then the Super Bowl. Uh, remember, Chris Maragos got hurt. He was big for special teams. Jason Peters, who's going to be a Hall of Famer, even though he's playing for those drama Dallas Cowboys now, uh, he was hurt. Uh, you also had uh, Jordan Hicks, middle linebacker, was hurt as well. So the depth on that team in 2017 is really what stood out to me. But from a pure talent standpoint, uh, yeah, give me Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown before I even think about starting Alshon Jeffrey. And that's not disrespectful. Uh, I, I like the run game uh, in 2017 because Blunt was good. Corey Clement was a good uh, option to also catch the football as a leading receiver in the Super Bowl. But Miles Sanders is having a solid season. And 
uh, we know in the offensive line, um, it's similar uh, to what you saw in 2017. But defensively, I know they had a good defense in 2017. This 2022 defense has potential uh, to be really damn good with Slay, Bradbury, uh, Hassan Reddick, a guy that I went to college with, a, a Temple guy, um, and then Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. Uh, this is a really damn good team. And I, I, if you, I, you know, Doug's a better coach than Sirianni, but they are similar in terms when Doug was hired, everyone was like, oh, village idiot. When Sirianni was hired, everyone was like, oh, uh, who the heck is this guy? He's weird. But they both have these interesting ways to relate to players out of the box, a little bit quirky at times, but it works. And they both do a lot of uh, a good job in offensive play calling and then also delegating uh, throughout the team, which a head coach needs to do. I'm glad you brought up Doug Peterson because um, I, I didn't get to hear you talk about the Jaguars much on CBS Sports Radio. I don't know what they're – a sexy team at this point, but to me, they're the talk of the town right now. They're two and one, and they're just kind of surprising everybody. He's got as, as many wins as Urban Meyer right now. Yeah, well, Urban Meyer was a disaster. We all know that, and he was an incompetent bozo as the as a head coach of the National Football League. And I, I love Doug Peterson. Uh, when I covered the Eagles, uh, Doug was so accessible. Doug was so engaging, and you never know what you were going to get from Doug Peterson, but I love a guy that everyone counted out. Everyone said he was not going to be able to do this. He was going to be a disaster. And he ended up hitting every button the right way for that Eagles team. And his aggressiveness, it was in 20 in 2016 was beloved. And then it didn't start to work a little bit. And then people started to say, Oh, he's too aggressive. And then, Look at where it worked on the biggest stage of them all in the Super Bowl with the, with the Philly special uh, play call as well. I'll never forget this. I was covering them before the first playoff game against Atlanta. And Doug would do on Fridays, he would have the on-the-record media availabilities. And then afterwards, with the local media, all cameras would go off, recorders would go off, and we would just talk for 10 to 15 minutes. And before that Atlanta game, I thought they were going to lose to Atlanta because Nick Foles didn't look well in, I think, like the final two games of the season. It was a game with the Raiders where they had to win on a defensive score. The Cowboys gave me play to drive. I would be hosting a 97-5 at the time, and I would have to drop callers because I was sick and tired of taking calls that would say, start Nate Sudfeld, start oh, Nate yeah. Sudfeld. And I would say, you know, I'm coming up with a policy. You mentioned Nate Sudfeld. I don't care if you're saying something nice about him, negative, whatever. I'm dropping you because I don't want to talk about Nate Sudfeld. He's not starting. It's going to be Nick Foles. But Doug, in that Friday before the Atlanta game, went around the room after the media availability and was just talking to us in the media. And he goes, how many of you guys think we're going to win? And I think like one person picked the Falcons and he was – I picked the Eagles, excuse me. And he was so annoyed – and he was just so conf not annoyed, just confused because he was very confident that they were going to win. And I'll never forget, I called one of my best friends right after that day, um, who's a big Eagles fan, a big Eagles fan on my way into the station. And I just said to him, I go, the Eagles are going to win this game. And all week long, I've been saying that the Falcons <laughs> are going to win. So I couldn't change course of action now. And the rest of the way in the divisional round, in the um, or that was the division round, so the, the NFC title game and then the Super Bowl. Um, I did not pick against Philadelphia be just because of the confidence that Doug did instill. And not only that, I remember right when Carson got hurt, he, he did that media on the record that day and he said, It's my time to lead, it's my time to lead this group of men. And he just found a way when his back was up against the wall to deliver. So it does not surprise me what he's doing in Jacksonville. Um, that division stinks. So could he win the division? Absolutely. But it's nice to see Trevor Lawrence finally have a competent coach because last year was just a disaster. Yeah. Our careers are really taken off since 2017, by the way. Obviously, you're on CBS Sports Radio every night, 6 to 10. But you've seen the Carson Wentz-Doug Pearson interaction at its best. What do you think happened between the two of them? Because this was weird to me. Doug said a lot of glowing things about Philadelphia this week. A, a lot. You did not get that same that little bubbly smile he has when asked about Carson Wentz. It was kind of awkward. Yeah, I have. I'm not sure exactly what went down, but I was someone that when they originally traded for 
the the move, the two trades they made. But when they jumped up to two, I was like, ooh, I don't really know much about Carson Wentz. He was playing in North Dakota State. And you know how it is. A lot of times the media, when you don't know about something, uh, sometimes then you tend to often be a little bit more critical, which is something that I, I try to watch to do. But I was a lot younger at the time when it was uh, 2016. So I've learned a little bit and grown up a little bit the, the last few years. So I didn't love the trade. And I kept on saying they better get this right. They better get this right. And then when I started to cover the team and be around Carson, uh, he really impressed. And that first year, if you guys remember, Sam Bradford was supposed to be a starting quarterback. Then Ted uh, Teddy Bridgewater tears up his leg. And the next thing you know, somehow Sam Bradford gets traded for a first-round pick, which ended up being Derek Barnett. But Wentz in year one showed you signs. And then year two, until he got hurt, he was the MVP of the league. And that's coming from like the biggest Tom Brady fan on the planet, and Brady won the MVP. But if Wentz didn't get hurt, Wentz would have won the MVP that year. And he was like Houdini, that play up against uh, Washington, I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, there's just There were moments that year where Wentz did things where he said, okay, this is your franchise quarterback. But ever since he got hurt, ever since Nick Foles won the Super Bowl, he kind of just changed. And I'm not going to say he's a bad dude, but I remember, I think it was Jeff Santaliquito, I believe his name was, had that had that article. And I would be on WIP and I was like, oh, this is a hit piece. This is a hit piece. None of this is true. I'm at the facility. Everything that Jeff ended up writing ended up being true because – I think Nick Foles winning that Super Bowl created a, a big wound for him, even though it was such a big time moment for the Eagles, their first ever championship, because he wasn't the guy and it created an awkward workspace for him. And he was just never able to recover. And really, you never saw that MVP went uh, once again. And even that year when they won the NFC East and they won the, the, the final few games of the season with like Boston Scott and Greg Ward, Wentz didn't play well that season. He just played well in the final two or three games. I've never seen the great Carson once again. And, uh, you know, Jim Irsay had to get rid of him. You look at the, the, the Colts situation, he had every opportunity to succeed. The dude just in the big moment, he crumbles. And you saw it last year against Jacksonville. I know his line was terrible on Sunday, but there were times he held on to the football way too long. So, I, football is such a mental side, and I, I just look at this. I don't think uh, physically he's probably the same. And then I do think the mental aspect got to him, especially in Philadelphia, when Nick Foles was the guy. And it just never – and even that year afterwards, remember, uh, the, the, he gets hurt again, and then Foles comes off the, the bench, and they should have been in the NFC title game if Alshon Jeffrey catches the football against the Saints. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Zach. I, I mean, look. That team with Doug, and I, I know it's fun to reminisce about what could have been with this team, but overall, it, it just felt like, you're right, the whole Wentz-Foles dynamic just kind of, really. and I I do agree with you on that. 2018, I think, was kind of that, if he wasn't dead yet, that killed him when Nick Foles came back in and played as well as he did again. He's like, wait, I got to go through this again? Now they don't even want me at this point. And don't get me wrong, it was 110% the right move in theory to keep Carson Wentz and move on from Nick Foles. I remember the intense debates I would have a 97.5 WIP with people uh, about that when I was working, you know, back and forth between stations. And Carson just didn't work out. But like Nick Foles hasn't gone on to have any success since the Super Bowl. And maybe for Nick, it was just being in Philadelphia because. When he had that, I know it wasn't with Doug, but he had the 27 and two uh, season, 27 touchdowns, two interceptions, where he somehow won the Pro Bowl MVP. Like Nick Foles is one of the more bizarre careers for a guy that can't start 16 games in the National Football League. Like when he's a full time starter, he stinks. But when he asked him to be a spot starter, he's won a Super Bowl. And I know there was that one outlier year where he started close to a full season where he made the Pro Bowl and won the Pro Bowl MVP. Other than that, though, he goes to any other team, the guy can't play the position. It is absolutely wild what he was able to do. It's it's one of those careers that you'll never forget. But if you like didn't know about the Super Bowl, you would have easily forgotten the career of Nick Foles. I, I agree with you, Zach. And 
this is one thing I always like when Doug brought him in in 2017. I'm like, okay, there's familiarity there. From he the was game. about to retire. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's insane. I, I remember, well, I have his book in the background here. It's, yeah, he, <laughs> he was literally like, he, he was pretty much, that's it. I'm done. And then Doug gives him a call and the rest is history. It's, it's a really amazing story. If you never read Nick Foles' book, believe it. But I wanted to get into the 2022 Eagles quick, too. And by the way, Jeff, real quickly, yeah. I love Ocean Casino. I'm, I'm going down there in November. I'm very I pumped too. up. I, I love how all you guys are sitting there in the background uh, when, when, when I watch. But I'm very pumped up to go to Ocean Casino uh, with a few buddies uh, in November and watch some football. We actually had a bachelor party at Ocean Casino this year. That's what I'm going down for. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's awesome. Chef full of chicken parmesan and then Ocean Casino. That, you know what? I've well, never, been, that, I've never been to that place. I heard it's phenomenal, though. Oh, so, the, the I, veal parm at Chef Ola. Veal parm. I got to remember. I got to remember that. Chef kiss. I know you can't see me right now, but I'm doing the chef kiss. <laughs> so about the 22 Eagles, I, I guess I got to put it bluntly. What's going to prevent them from winning a Super Bowl? It's a good question. Um, because the like they have all the talent to do so. Like, I'm not going to say that Jalen Hurts is a franchise quarterback yet, but he's a good quarterback. Um, Ron Jaworski was talking to him before the start of the season. I asked him, is Jalen Hurts a franchise quarterback? He said, I'm optimistic, but I can't call him a franchise quarterback until you win the games in the clutch moments. I've always loved the way that Jalen Hurts has carried himself. I remember when I interviewed him at the Heisman Trophy uh, presentation when he was a finalist, he said, I'll always bet on myself, and he was very convincing. I thought it was a good idea for a lot of teams to take him in the second round. I didn't think he was a first round quarterback, but second round, I would have been open to it. Uh, When Philadelphia took him, it was a little bit bizarre because of Carson. And I thought that Carson was still their guy, but it ended up being Jalen hurts. So let me first say this right at the bat, uh, right off the, right out of the gate. I really do like Jalen hurts. I would say the only thing that could prevent them from winning a super bowl injuries, which is part of the game. But you look at the NFC, it's like you have a great NFC, but you got to think Green Bay is going to be better. And you know Rodgers league quarterback, even though he's struggling in the postseason. you got to think Tampa will eventually get their offense going once when Brady gets his receivers back. And you know Brady's the, the best to ever do it. And the Rams, Stafford, he's starting to concern me a little bit. I know he had the elbow injury. First three games uh, has not played well. But that Rams team is really impressive. So I don't think it's really – What's going to prevent the Eagles from winning in terms of they have a major flaw? It's just that you have three other teams with veteran, experienced quarterbacks. But look at when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Um, that team didn't have a lot of Super Bowl experience. And I know Chris Long was on that team. Um, you know, I, I know uh, LeGarrette Blunt was on that team as well. But there wasn't a lot of Super Bowl experience. So uh, if you're hot, you're, you're hot. And the Eagles right now are hot. So they could definitely go make a run. And also, if they go get the number one over, like you look at their schedule from here on out, and I said this last week, the only game, and it doesn't even scare you, but the only game you go, wow, that's a really tough game, is the, the Packers. That's it. That's like the only team you say, wow, that's a, that's a really damn good team coming on in. So they should win 12 or 13 games, and that could be enough to go get a number one overall seed and imagine – Lincoln Financial Field for a home playoff game uh, after a pandemic that we've gone through, uh, those fans are going to be wild. Like my Rangers were, were just in the Stanley Cup. Madison Square Garden, I, I, they were in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, Madison Square Garden, I was there when they got to a Stanley Cup final and it was buzzing. It's like everyone's just happy now to go back to sporting events uh, once again. And it was just like a different atmosphere with how much free beer was just getting thrown all over the place in celebration when the Rangers uh, almost got to the cup final this year. Well, your Mets are going to experience that too in a couple of weeks when they have home playoff games at City Field. That It feels like forever for them too. Yeah, and I really hope that they're NL East champions because if those stinking Atlanta Braves stab a, another dagger through my heart, um, it would be disappointing in this NL East as Phillies fans know well, whenever the Mets have a lead for most of the year, it doesn't end up well, but we'll see. It's tied up. I'm excited for this weekend of football, excited for this weekend of baseball, too, and uh, got some good college games as well. Yeah, it's going to be a good week, for, especially on Sunday. Dallas, Washington, 
it feels like Dallas should crush this team, but I know better not to get too over-analytical or maybe even too basic here. Washington's given up the most sacks. Dallas is uh, Dallas has the most sacks. Left. What does Washington have to do to win this football game? <sighs> it's a good question. Uh, they're going to need to get Wentz protection, and Wentz is going to have to not turn over the football. Um, that's what it's going to come down to. But I can see Micah Parsons having a big day. Uh, Trayvon Diggs as well. You're right. It's a game on paper. You go, I like Dallas. I like Dallas. But then if Cooper Rush is starting a quarterback, maybe this is the game where Cooper Rush doesn't play well and we can stop all this QB drama. Um, but I would think the Cowboys are going to win the game. But in the NFL, you know, it's week to week. Like uh, the Jaguars just beat the, the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, excuse me, the, um, the, the Indianapolis Colts. And the Colts find a way to beat the, the Kansas City Chiefs. So who knows? I'll tell you, Jeff, one line that's fishy to me that I'll probably end up being a, a sucker for and still uh, going against it being fishy, but the Rams being a two-and-a-half-point dog against the 49ers, like that's another one of those games where the 49ers were awful last week. They had zero offense. Jimmy G forgot how to play the position. He, I love Dan Orlovsky, but he pulled Dan Orlovsky. <laughs> and the 49ers, I know they're home, but they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the defending Super Bowl champs. It seems too good to be true. You know how that usually works out in the betting world. But yeah, right now they're plus the two and a half points on, on, on the Rams. And I don't even think twice about it, even though I'm thinking twice about it right now. That's something I'm actually going to pick in super contest. I saw that. I'm like, oh, click pick, you know, just go with yeah. the Rams. I feel like the Rams have like, they're good, but I feel like it's, they haven't shown the, their whole, their whole deck of cards yet that it, it's, it might be Stafford, it might not, but overall, I still feel like they have more to show on offense and on defense. A hundred percent. They have not played a clean game, a game of football yet um, in in their three games. And you look at it with the Rams, I still think roster-wise, they're one of the better rosters in the NFL. Um, losing Whitworth was big, so you got to find a way to retool that offensive line. Um, I know that they're now moving on from Robert Woods, who's in Tennessee, but he got hurt last year. And Al Robinson uh, maybe needs to get comfortable. He's one of the more underrated wide receivers in football with all the bad quarterback play that he's had. But, yeah, I do think the Rams will, will eventually get going. Uh, I know Shanahan's done a good job up against McVay, uh, but this is what happens. It's like a mixture of is it a Super Bowl hangover? Is it you didn't play anyone in the preseason? But the preseason excuse, I, I know – it creates sloppy football, but like no one's playing their guys, their starters in the preseason. So it is a level playing field, but yeah, the Rams got to start to kick it into gear. And it also could be, you know, I don't like to say this. I don't like to make this about me as a talk show host. You know, we would never do that. Maybe there's a little curse on the Rams since Aaron Donald came on my show and a PR lady interrupted me when I was just trying to ask him why he was swinging helmets at people. So maybe it's a Dr. Teal's curse for the Los Angeles Rams, and maybe they won't be that good this year. Wait, I, I got to get into this now. Hold on. Did, did they interrupt you, like, during the live broadcast? I missed this interview. Yeah. Um, so we were talking to Aaron Donald, and we had a very good conversation. Like, I thought he should have won the Super Bowl MVP. I told him that. He gave me a lot about how close he was actually to retiring, and he, he said something to me that stood out to me. It was – if he didn't win a Super Bowl, he probably would have retired because winning the Super Bowl made him hungry and and created that drive of, oh, I got to go get another one. I got to go get another one. And it was addictive. And you get 10 minutes. You know, you've, you've done these interviews a thousand times on these tours. So I'm six minutes in and I go, all right, I know my listening audience. It was right after, like four or five days after the whole helmet incident happened. He never addressed it. I had to ask about it. So I asked a few questions and then a PR person popped up on the screen and said, yeah, we're here to talk about Dr. Teals. And I'm like, that's fine. I have one more question. Ask my, my final question on the helmet because you're not going to uh, uh, determine who asked what on my show. You never had any parameters before the interview. If that was the case, I wouldn't have taken the interview. Um, and then I just asked about Dr. Teals after that. And I tried to get one last question about the helmet and he went right into the advertisement. So it all worked out. The clip went viral. Um you know, the PR person, I thank the PR person for jumping on in because it, it actually created for one of those funny uh, moments. But if she doesn't step in, kind of just gives me like no answers about the, the whole helmet situation. It doesn't turn out to be that big of a deal. So um, <laughs> I had a laugh over it. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people found it funny. It was kind of like the Qualcomm 
uh, legendary interview that Matt Harvey had with Dan Patrick. I'm only here to talk about Qualcomm. So I had that, that moment, but it was with Dr. Chiels. It's like our buddy John Kincaid. He had the fire alarm go off yesterday. I don't know if you heard that one. Oh, no, I, I, I did not. So apparently the fire alarm went off during his show yesterday. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, in the Fanatic building. I'm like, oh, my God. I don't, I don't think I, I, I'm an arrogant person. I think I would have just been like, yeah, I don't care. Uh, I'm on the air. Yeah, and John probably probably would have done the same thing. I don't know. Maybe they, they probably had to drag him out of the building if that was the case. Yeah, I think that's how. It, well, I didn't get to see the end result of it, but like the you can hear the alarm go off, and he's just like, "Okay, I'm I'm talking." <laughs> you know, just a drill. <laughs> you got you got to love it, Zach. But overall, during your time in Philly, like, what was your favorite thing? Just covering all the teams, or just being around the area? I, I mean, obviously, you went to Temple, so it's not like you just made a brief cameo here. Yeah, I, I was there for seven years. I was a college student there for four and then lived in the area in Fairmont for three years after that. Um, you know, Temple football really stood out to me when I was there. That was like the golden era, the golden rule of uh, Temple football with Matt Rule, Deion Dawkins, Hassan Reddick, P.J. Walker, Robbie Anderson, um, you know, Tavon Young, Matt. I, like, th- there's a lot of dudes that got to the NFL um, I know you're a Penn State fan or Penn State homer, however you want to say that. Uh, and, yeah, they beat Penn State for the first time in 74 years. Yet college people that. stunk that year. <laughs> so you had – Temple football was the talk of the city when college game day was in town, and they almost beat Notre Dame if it wasn't for Kavari Russell interception. Will Fuller had that touchdown in the back right end zone over, I believe it was Will Hayes. So to see that team and – I, and I cover that team – all four years throughout college, and then one year after when they won the American Athletic Conference, to see that team go from a, a, a unit where they asked me if I wanted to walk onto the team because they didn't have enough bodies, and I'm a large man, um, on the offensive line in the summer, to then go and be a top 25 team and be a championship team, that was pretty neat. But really, it's the passion in Philadelphia. Um, I've always loved Philadelphia. I would always go there as a kid. My dad had a lot of friends. Um, in the Philadelphia area. I went to sleepaway camp in the Poconos. So I had a lot of friends uh, from the Philadelphia area as well. And it's just a passion. Like even when the Sixers stunk uh, during these, the, the process years, there was always a passion in the city. Um, I know the Flyers are dreadful now, but those Flyers uh, teams had, they were pretty good when I was there. Um, Eagles games, there's nothing like going to an Eagles game. And, and, you know, even the, the Phillies, the Citizens Bank is, is an unbelievable ballpark. So it's one of the great sports cities in the country. Uh, it's definitely the most passionate sports city in the country. And um, just being on the air each and every day um, or, you know, being on the air a few times a week and the interactions with the callers was awesome because it, it kept you on your toes and you really never knew what you were going to get other than um, a knowledgeable, sometimes crazy fan base, but a knowledgeable fan base that always just wants to see their team win and really holds their their teams accountable. Like athletes, when they get booed, a lot of them handle it the wrong way. I'll never forget, right after they won the Super Bowl, I'm at the first game of the year. It's against the Falcons. They booed the Eagles off the field at halftime when it was 6-3 against Atlanta. Malcolm Jenkins, after the game, he said, I'm just happy our fans didn't get complacent. I thought they were going to get spoiled after winning, and I'm glad that they kept us in check and booed us. It's one of the great answers. And it's one of the ways that if players are ever going to criticize fans about booing, you should play the Malcolm Jenkins answer because that was the guy that got it and just really uh, connected with the city. And that's what I love the most about Philly too. When you have a player that gets the city and then represents the city and kind of carries that blue chip mentality, that blue collar mentality, that chip on the shoulder just with them and tries to emulate the fans, those are the players that in Philadelphia um, they thrive the most because they have to have success on the field. But if they get the fans and embrace the fans off the field, you're a legend forever in Philly. And finally, Zach, before I let you go, what is the difference between the Philly fan and the New York fan? Well, in Philadelphia, you only have four teams, right? Four for four. In New York – don't get me wrong. The passion of the York fans is unbelievable. But you have your definitely Mets fans, definitely Yankees fans. But then there's like a bizarre group of people. 
that are just sports fans. They'll be like, yeah, I like the Mets. Yeah, I like the Yankees. Like, to me, I don't hate the Yankees, um, but I'm a Mets fan. So it's like, I'm not sitting there for 162 games and saying, let's go Yankees, let's go Yankees. But you do have fans that kind of, maybe it's because the hustle and bustle of, of, of being in such a big city and the, a lot of things to do. You do have fans that are a little bit down the middle. Like, I, I don't get those people. I couldn't do that as a sports fan. But, like, that would be the difference. You know who everyone's rooting for in Philadelphia. But in New York, you know, you got two basketball teams. You got three hockey teams. Um, you got two baseball teams. You got two NFL teams. So sometimes you have the in-the-middle fan, which is a bizarre creature. <laughs> Once again, Zach, I appreciate your time. You can catch Zach Gelb every night at Monday through Friday on CBS Sports Radio, 6 to 10. Are you on for Maggie or Paroloff this week? Uh, no, um, I, I am not. So, yeah, since football season's back, we're back to, like, our normal schedules 9.9 .9 times out of 10 until they want to take a vacation. So uh, 6 to 10 p.m. Eastern, 3 to 7 p.m. Pacific on CBS Sports Radio. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for coming on, Zach. I'll have to get you on again. Appreciate it, my friend. You got it, Jeff. Be well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sounds great. And Zach Gelb, everybody, that was an awesome conversation. But we got a pool of Joey McDonald here. Another guy, Zach, knows we got to put a bow, bow on the show right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. since I've been down. I got to get back down to Ocean Casino. I'm not going to lie. It's it's a fun time there. I still haven't seen the new sports book yet, the, the new gallery. I, I got to go see that. I, I know I'm putting in a plug for Ocean, but hey, you know what? Uh, when you see good things, you got you to gotta talk about them, and Ocean Casino is definitely one of them. So once again, I appreciate Ocean Casino again. Um, I know Tone's there a lot. Uh, 
my quarterback, my producer. I know he goes down there a lot. I'm, I'm waiting for the comment from Tobe on this one. But I, I'll tell you what, guys. Um, it is going to be a good weekend of football. Uh, you know, I was looking at the week four slate a little bit early. I, I can't wait for that Bucks chiefs game Sunday night. I, I don't think it's going to be in Tampa. I, I'm really not sure with the hurricane uh, coming in here. I think it's Hurricane Ian. I, I, I don't even keep track of the names anymore. It's where reports get to. I, I mean, they're tough. After Katrina and Sandy and all that, it's it's really tough to hear about that stuff. But, yeah, I, I don't think that that game's going to be played in Tampa. Uh, we'll see, though. But she still should be a good – Tom just said it only on game days, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if that game's going to be played in Tampa or not. But um, it's going to be a really good game for sure. Eagles-Jaguars is actually one of the better games this week. Uh, this is what sucks for me. The three games I'm most interested in are at the same time. I'm going to be at one of them. Eagles-Jaguars, um, Washington-Dallas, just because of the NFC East. This is an NFC East show. Ravens-Bills. Um, obviously going to go on the Baltimore this week for that game. I'm actually going to go to Baltimore next week uh, when they play the Bengals. I think that's going to be a big game there. Uh, Thursday night's game is going to be good. Dolphins-Bengals. I'm really excited for that. Uh, Bengals are going to wear their white helmets, their white Tiger helmets. Uh, cannot wait for that. We'll see if the Dolphins can go to 4-0. I, I mean, they're not convincing 3-0 like the Eagles are, but 3-0 is 3-0. I mean, they won a good game against Buffalo on Sunday. Uh, they were outmatched by Buffalo, but Buffalo made a lot of mistakes. Uh, so, yeah, it, it'll be curious to see. Cincinnati needs this game really bad. They, they cannot fall to 1-3. I know the division isn't exactly powerful, but Cleveland's going to be in it. And, look, Baltimore's good. So. Cincinnati needs this one. They, they need to beat the Miami Dolphins at home on a short week. Um, so tomorrow we'll talk about that. That's going to be a really good game. Overall, though, uh, I'm glad Zach talked about a lot on that 2017 Eagles team. He was front and center for it. Um, you know, that was still when he was doing stuff with WIP and the Fanatic. Uh, again, you know, I, I've known Zach for a pretty good time now. Uh, you know, Zach's really good at his job. Uh, I love listening to him on CBS Sports Radio. I know a lot of friends that listen to him on there. Uh, he gets a ton of guests, a ton of NFL guests. Uh, you know, Brandon Graham's just his latest. Uh, he, I mean, you name him, he's probably had him. <laughs> you know, Tom Brady, I, I'll say this is someone who covers the league. Tom Brady is the hardest person to interview out of all of them. I've been able to get Patrick Mahomes. I've been able to get Justin Herbert. I've been able to get, you name a star, I probably talked to him. Tom Brady is the one I need to get. Um, you know, I, I've even said the Gronk before. Look, what do I got to do to talk to your boy? Tom Brady, he said, yeah, you know how he is. I'm like, I, I know. It's not that Tom Brady's jerk or anything. He's just hard to get. He's a busy man. He's got a busy life. Um, you know. But overall, um, look, Doug Pearson's gonna speak today. I'm a little excited to hear about Doug again. I tried to get one on one with him this week. It's hard to get him with coaches during the year. It's it's a busy time, but I would love to talk to him about his time in Philly and what he's doing in Jacksonville. I, I love this story about Jacksonville. I, I'm just saying, do not underestimate this Jaguars team. Even if Eagles beat them. Don't underestimate them afterwards. You know, just because the Eagles beat a team doesn't mean they suck. I'm sorry. I just don't think that way. I think Washington had a really bad game Sunday, and I just think the Eagles are a way better team than them. But I don't think they suck. But we'll see. It's going to be interesting, too. This is a big game for Jacksonville. Um, you know, playing for their coach, his former home, a chance to really make yourselves – on the national spotlight. I, I do think it's going to be a big game for the Jaguars Sunday, and it should be a fun time. Um, Tone's telling me to wrap it up, which I was about to do anyway, so thanks a lot, Tone. Once again, my name is Jeff Kerr uh, from CBS Sports. You can catch all my work on cbssports.com. Make sure to watch the Zach Gelb Show or listen to it on CBS Sports Radio. You can find it on the Odyssey app. You can find it where um, I, I think it's on TV. I'm not sure. But it, it, anyway, he's going to be on 6 to 10 tonight, every night. By me here. Good morning, NFC East. You got uh, Birds 365, Joe McDonald and John McMullen coming up next. Have a good day, guys. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. 
born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.